Welcome to the Mass Bar Beat Podcast, the official podcast of the Massachusetts Bar Association. It's available free to members of the bar as well as the public. We feature lively discussions about important legal developments, interesting stories about MBA members, and helpful practical information about the law that matters to all of us. This is Jordan Rich. Today we address an ongoing concern, cyber security for your home and office. You know, with more of us working from home these days, the threats are looming, but there is so much you can do about it. So we've asked Eric and Lisa Shore from Secure Future Tech Solutions to join us here on the Mass Bar Beat today to offer all of us some very helpful and useful information. First off, you and your company must be pretty busy these days. Oh, goodness. You know what? Very busy. Very busy. It's not changing the need to work from home and all of our clients, and I know the business community at large in New England is going to need technology to be able to be secure and work from home and be Mm. productive. So we're anticipating a very active and busy year. Eric, what have you noticed through the pandemic in terms of cyber threats and cybersecurity issues? Because there are a lot of shenanigans, obviously, and some of them are pretty serious. What, what have you noticed in terms of the pandemic time? Well, hackers are taking advantage of the pandemic because they know a lot of people are working from home now, and some people are working from their home computers, which have very little defenses. You know, we, we do a lot of work with uh, commercial businesses and law firms. You know, they have a lot of security in place at their offices, but that doesn't necessarily translate to people with their home computers. So we're seeing a lot of threats from home. We're seeing a lot of scams, uh, phone call scams, phishing scams, which are fake emails that go to people. So there's there's been a huge uptick of that over the last 12 months. What basic rule of thumb in 2021 should people have when it comes to their devices? I think the basic rule of thumb is to question everything that comes into your inbox. Don't take for granted, there will be a ton of emails that are flooding your inbox that are what's called phishing emails. So they're hackers who are putting attachments or fake um, links in emails just to get you to then take the next step to provide any kind of personal identifiable information like passwords or account information or any kind of identifiable information. So I think that rule number one is to really question any email that comes into your inbox, look to see if it looks like it came from a legitimate email address. Oftentimes you'll see someone's name, but then when you look at the actual email address, it's completely different. So I think that's rule number one would be to scrutinize. Wouldn't you say, Eric, scrutinize? Yeah, that's a typical scam that hackers use. If I can compromise your inbox, you have a whole series of friends and family and business colleagues in your address book. You bet. And so hackers know that if they send an email from you to your whole contact list, but it's really coming from the hacker, you're a trusted person and they'll have a very high probability of getting success with your friends and family uh, opening that email and, and clicking on it. So, so that's something to be really aware of. If you're not expecting an email from your aunt or cousin or business colleague or whoever it is, and all of a sudden they're emailing you now that, hey, check out this picture. Um, be careful. Pick up the phone and call. That okay. is interesting because it's it's much more sophisticated than the scam of several years ago. And I remember getting it. Hi, Jordan. It's so-and-so, a friend of mine. I'm in London and I lost my credit cards. Can you send me and wire me some money? 
it smelled fishy to me, and I made sure that it was him, and it wasn't. But now you're, you're saying it, it's, look at this kitten video I'm sending along, and it could really be dangerous to your security. 100%. Oh, no, ab- absolutely. You question everything. If it's if it's coming from, if, particularly if it's unexpected. If you're expecting an email from someone, uh, great, that that's fine. But if you get something unsolicited, uh, definitely question it. Uh, you should also question emails that you get from Microsoft or PayPal or your bank, FedEx, um, FedEx. Particularly during the holiday season, hackers take advantage of uh, tracking numbers. You know because they know we're ordering a lot of stuff. It's fairly common to get in your email, um, you know, tracking numbers. Um, so they can take advantage of those and rewrite the links so that when you click on it, you actually affect your computer. Lisa, let me ask you about uh, software that people install that they should install for their personal and business computers. I know there are different levels of protection, but in general, uh, what advice do you have for the consumer, not the business person? We'll start there. Yeah. In terms I think of I'm what going to defer say. that one to Eric. That would be a okay. better question for you. Well, Eric. you definitely want to have an up-to-date antivirus uh, system whether it be your, your home computer or your work computer, that's that's very important to make sure that's up to date. The other thing too, that you really need to be aware of is if you're running older systems at home, many of us are, hey, there's nothing wrong with my 10 year old Windows 7 computer. Well, there actually is because uh, Windows 7 is out of support by Microsoft, which means they're not issuing any security updates anymore. And hackers take advantage of something that's called an exploit. And an exploit is a way that hackers take advantage of a flaw in the software. And since Microsoft or many other vendors aren't updating their older software anymore, hackers can take advantage of that. So you want to be really careful about that. Some people will skip right through that. I don't want to do that. I don't need an update. Not a good idea. It's not a good idea because if the purpose of an update is it's Microsoft or it's the software pushing out the latest security upgrades to the phone, to their devices. So if we're not doing and running updates, then we're missing out on critical because a lot of the, um, the, the security updates are written based on what's been known and what was discovered. So then they write the block to block them. So if, if they're not doing the updates, then they're going to continuously get exposed and be very vulnerable to what's already lurking and um, and not be able to have the right protection in place and block anything that's known. So the trick of it all is that, unfortunately, it's hard to keep up with all the new exploits that are happening. So it's really critical for a consumer to really stay on top of and have a mindset of diligence and staying on top of these updates. A lot of folks, needless to say, are using the cloud as their uh, storage spot, and we want to trust the cloud. We really want to believe in it. How safe is storage in, in the ether as opposed to storage on a, on a hard drive or storage on a stick? There's a common misce- a mis- misconception, I should say, that people think that if I keep the data on my hard drive that's in my office or in my house, that it's safer. And that's actually not true because there's a lot of things that can happen when you keep your data locally. Uh, Hackers can still compromise the data. Um, You could have a theft, you could have a fire at your house. And so I do recommend cloud storage. What I like about cloud storage is that when you're keeping your data at Apple or Dropbox or Amazon, they have whole security teams in place. 
They back the data up as well. So one of the things that you have to do when you're using cloud storage is make sure that it's secure, that you have a good password, and that you also have something set up to access your data called two-factor authentication. And what two-factor authentication means is a username and a password is not enough to get into the system. It will actually text you when you log in, it will text you a unique code that you need to enter as well to be able to get into your system. You can also use something that's called an authenticator app, which is a separate, separate application on your phone that has a rolling code that changes every 60 seconds that you can also use to log into your cloud. So when you have the cloud set up properly, it's actually a much better choice than keeping the data in one spot at your, at your home or office. And if I may, Jordan, um, Eric, talk a moment too about thumb drives and external drives and things like that, because we've seen a lot of issues with those as well. So. Talk about some of the yeah. vulnerabilities there. L little USB drives can you know? be quite dangerous, actually, because if you're if you're keeping all of your data on a, on a little memory stick, uh, it can be easily broken. It can be lost. And one of the other things that you should be aware of as well is if you happen to find a USB drive just lying around somewhere, mm. please don't use it, because quite often hackers can compromise those memory sticks. And, one, and how do you figure out what's on it? Well, you have to put it into right. your computer. Right. And when you put it into your computer, um, hackers can rewrite the program on there to uh, compromise your computer. So you want to be mm. very careful about using devices like that. I don't recommend them at all. Lisa and Eric, these are absolutely wonderful uh, recommendations as we uh, arrive in the new year with new challenges. You mentioned passwords. Uh-oh, here we go. Uh, that's the, the age-old issue with so many people, including yours truly, is I've got too many passwords. I, I can't remember them. And then I'm frozen out. I have to set a new one. And I'm always wondering what's the footprint of these passwords as they're moving through. So who would like to take that, uh, the, the efficacy of passwords these days? Passwords need to be, I think the moral of the story and what we see all the time are passwords too many people are using the same password for too many devices and too many logins, first of all. They're not complex. They're typically in a pet name um, or they include birth dates or their children's names, all kinds of information that is so simple. I could probably, you know, just do a little Google search on somebody and find out enough information to then start typing in passwords and be able to um, determine what it could possibly be. And so hackers know that. So I'll take the starting point, Eric, you can take the second half of this, but the first point is to really look at what all your passwords are. And I'm encouraging everybody listening in on this podcast to really take stock for 2021 on the very simple passwords that have to do with animals and pets and mm -hmm. um, children and birth dates and all of that and start to make changes to all of those. Have unique passwords for each one. And then Eric, maybe you can talk a little bit about password managers and how do you manage that process? Well, it's important to, to make sure that as Lisa mentioned, to have unique passwords, because let's say you're using your password at, for your email and it's the same password for your bank. Right. If one site gets compromised, then hackers are smart enough to know they can try that password at other sites and they have a high probability of getting in. Right, so you may be thinking, oh my goodness, how am I going to keep track of all these passwords? 
So the best practice is to use a password manager program so that you can generate unique passwords. If you have 300 of them, it's no problem because you just have to remember one, one master password and then the password manager program does the logging in for you. So there's a couple that we recommend. Uh, there's a program called Dashlane, that's D-A-S-H-L-A-N-E, and you can get that at dashlane.com. That's a great password manager. It'll cost you about $50 a year to, to use that. There's also LastPass as well. So that's another very popular password manager program. And if you're not using a password manager program, you really need to. Because if you're reusing passwords, that's a really dangerous practice right. and something that... I know that you'll get burned that's, if you if you keep it up right. long enough. That's very good advice as well. You know, we talked earlier about uh, people hacking into your not just your email but your bank accounts and and oh, getting yeah. into your money and your finance. What are the banks in general doing to help the consumers? What should we know that the banks are looking for, and what should we do in terms of our protection? Uh, I know the social security number is always the one you want to avoid giving out, <laughs> but there are other yeah, things. Absolutely, yeah. I'm sure there are yeah, other most things. People's social security numbers unfortunately are compromised at this point because of the massive Equifax data breach a couple of years ago that was over 140 million people with credit reports. So social security numbers are, have been compromised. You definitely want to make sure you're not giving them out. But but there's um, a lot of a lot of things that can um, go wrong with your, your personal data. So if, so banks, I mean you definitely want to set up two-factor authentication with banks. Mm. Um, you want to make sure that when you set up an account with a bank, they always ask you uh, those questions so that if you forget your password, you can reset your password. But those questions can't be something that's easily answered. And if I can go to Facebook or I could do a Google search, I can find out what your, maiden, your mother's maiden name is. I can find out where you went to high school. Um, so you want to have some more random answers in the, for those typical questions that somebody cannot go and look up. So that's really important to make sure that those questions are secure as well. And what advice do you have for people who want to retain their privacy when they're online, downloading files, researching particular websites? There are reasons for people wanting to protect their privacy. Keep in mind that when you're browsing the internet, Google and your internet providers are recording every, everywhere you go and everything that you do. So you, you really need to keep that in mind. Uh, if you do want to protect your privacy, um, there's a few things that you can do. And one of them I recommend is using a VPN software. So the VPN software masks your identity and masks your location so that you can browse um, with privacy. So, so obviously there's a dual benefit, you know, it can be used for good and it can be used for bad, right? But, you know, if you want to avoid a lot of targeted ads geared toward you because advertisers are tracking where you go, you can use a VPN. Obviously, if you're out and about somewhere and you're on public Wi-Fi, I know a lot of us aren't sitting in coffee shops right now because of mm. what's going on with COVID, but we'll get back to that eventually. If you're sitting in a coffee shop and you're using public Wi-Fi, you want to make sure you use a VPN software as well. The one that I, I recommend and use is called ExpressVPN. Yeah. It's about $100 a year for, for that subscription. So those are the things that you want to be careful of. And by the way, if people are Googling it, VPN stands for Virtual Private Network. 
Thank you so much. I, I was going to follow up with a, the acronym question. Since our audience is not only composed of, of the public, the general public, and we appreciate them listening to the podcast regularly, we also, of course, want to uh, address our members of the Massachusetts Bar Association, mostly attorneys, of course. What kinds of new developments are in place that will ensure protection for important information? Well, we work with a lot of law firms. That's one of the areas that we specialize in, and we specialize in cybersecurity for law firms. So this is a topic that I'm very aware of. Uh, there are some newer generation security systems that are out there that we're using to protect law firms that it's really important that they implement because a lot of the older antivirus systems don't really work anymore. So there are newer, what's called next generation systems, things like Sentinel One and other packages that we're deploying. And so that's something the law firm really needs to be aware of to see what they're using. Uh, encryption is very important. Encryption means when you're sending out data, contracts, and documents, you want to make sure that the data is scrambled so only the intended recipient can open it and no one else, because email uh, is not secure. So when you send an email out, there is a series of stops, or it's called a hop, right? That's different network servers that your email goes through before it finally reaches its destination. So anywhere along the way, a bad actor could intercept the email and read it if it's not encrypted. If it's encrypted, then they cannot read it. So that's what we're helping law firms do as well, encrypting their email. And then there's also something that's called data loss protection as well, or DLP. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we're helping law firms implement as well, because that looks at the um, the content of emails to make sure that private information isn't going out unauthorized. So it looks for social security numbers. It looks for credit card numbers. It looks for dates of birth. Um, there are different things and it can stop it. Mm. So if there's someone that's trying to email this information in an unencrypted format, uh, DLP can can inter intercept that and block and then kick, uh, notify the administrator to say, hey, someone is trying to send this information um, so that you can look in to see what's going on. So, so there's a lot of additional security steps that we can do for law firms and other offices, by the way, to protect their data. Well, you guys have been phenomenal. Thank you so much for sharing all of this knowledge. And you're almost like uh, detectives having to figure out uh, the next move of the bad actors. Absolutely. We try to we strive, try to stay ahead of stuff. And so we're, we're called something that's called a certified ethical hacker or a white hat. You know, so there's, there's the bad guys. They wear the black hat. And uh, since we're a cybersecurity company, we wear the white hat and we try to protect everybody and stay ahead of the we're game. We're the good guys. We are dealing with uh, a huge influx of people working from home uh, out of necessity. Yeah. That's not going to change anytime soon. And we don't want people to have a false sense of home security. Isn't that right? Absolutely. So a lot of people have um, talked to us and asked us questions upon questions. Oh, I'm working from home. I must be safe because I'm, I'm hackers not going to find me at home, but it's more dangerous actually working at the office and they're going to be on the network. But the reality is, is actually when you're not connected to your network, your home system, your home network doesn't have the same security. And so it's very dangerous. And you are opening up not only your own personal computer, but the entire organization to a massive open mm. door to a hacker to just walk in. 
because oftentimes the office itself will have security measures in place and have taken, I, I hope you have, everybody listening. Um, if you haven't, you've got to start mm. really putting this on your radar immediately and really thinking about the security protocols. Talk to your IT providers about what you have in place. It's critical now more than ever. But working from home does not mean that you are more secure. It's actually you're more vulnerable. And it, it's time for us to really have a conversation it's to secure those computers because they can be secure. used as a backdoor to get into the main exactly. system. Exactly. So, and folks with people uh, home and wanting to stay there, they should know that a lot of this stuff, if not all of it, that a company of your reputation can supply is remote. So in other words, you can do this from your location to assist people on their systems. Absolutely. Oh, Most yeah. of our service calls are remote. Uh, we still uh, run a crew that, if needed, can, can go on site somewhere. But I would say over 90% of our calls can be done right over the phone or over the computer. Lisa and Eric, uh, thank you so much for your time. And because uh, you don't have a lot of it these days, fighting off the black hats. But we really appreciate you joining us on the Mass Bar B podcast. We are so Thanks thankful so much, for the Jordan. opportunity. Thank you so much. Stay safe. It's a new year, a new opportunity to secure our networks and to really think like a hacker and be secure. So let's do it. Let's do it together, everybody. Once again, Lisa and Eric Short. To find out more, visit securefuturetech.com. That's securefuturetech.com. You've been listening to the Mass Bar Beat Podcast, available free at massbar.org and downloadable on most popular podcast platforms, including Apple, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, and more. Now, if you're a consumer in need of legal help, contact the Mass Bar Association's Lawyer Referral Service. Call 866-627-7577. Again, that's 866-627-7577. Or visit masslawhelp.com. Let us connect you to a lawyer today. Mass Bar Beat is produced by the Massachusetts Bar Association, and we invite you to subscribe so you'll never miss a beat. This is Jordan Rich. Thank you for listening. <laughs>